0: So the more predictable things can be, the better the predictions are, right? Like there's just more information, they know what to do next. And so kind of setting up this transition, doing things that are relaxing for you, but you know, really investing that time because, you know, oftentimes our lives are really busy, but you know, sleep kind of pays a lot of dividends during the day if we kind of ensure that we protect it.
1: Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey Erica. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well.
2: All right. Well, how did you sleep last night in preparation for this conversation about sleeping?
1: You know what? I actually I didn't wake up, so that was positive. But I went, I just didn't get enough. I can never get enough sleep. It's just like never. And, it, you know, I feel like I, I don't know if catching up is such, there's such a thing, but I also just have, my sleep has been interrupted that pretty much like, Half the week this week by this week. Small... I would say like this year. Well, yeah, but um <laughs> back, like Monday, Tuesday, let's see, Monday, Tuesday, my small child was just like creeping, creeping in. He's all freaked out by I don't know. He's like, my rug looks crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they could they can't their imaginations are just so nuts. I'm just like, what do yeah. you mean? It's like it looks like an eyeball staring at me. I'm like, it's a Rug, yeah. I don't know. I was like, I I, I give up. Just come in my bed. I remember
2: literally when I was his age, and I had a bunk bed, and it was a wood bunk bed. And on the top bunk, like you know, from where I was lying on the bottom, there had been a sticker above my head, and I tore the sticker off at one point, and the mark that it left looked like (laughs) like devil horns. And I remember staring at that thing for like, you know hours at a time on end and like freaking myself out and getting myself totally worked up into this state of like, it's a devil, it's a demon, it's looking at me. And it was all just an excuse that I could go get in bed with my mom. I know that trick. Anyway, um, we talked to, do you want to say his name?
1: I will. I've been practicing. Dr. Eric, spelled (laughs) A-R-I-C, prether, spelled incorrect. It is correct, because I, we said prather, and he said, no, it's actually prether. And I said, well, it's spelled with an A. He said yeah. prather. He said prather. No, that's what you said. No, I said prather. Prather, he and said he said prather. prather.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: shit. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Anyway, now no the, one will ever forget his name. He's like, why? He's like, you're so special. What is wrong <laughs> with you? Um, anyway, Dr. Eric... Thank you. Uh, yes, is a psychologist who wrote specializes in insomnia. And he wrote the sleep prescription, seven days to unlocking your best rest. And it's all about strategies that have helped hundreds of sleep-deprived patients get their lives back by getting their sleep back on track. Um, and he's got this whole seven-day plan. It's basically gonna take you a week to straighten your sleep out he's got, uh, he has a lot of good tips. And we've done like a few, a few episodes. We've had a few um, doctors, sleep doctors on. Yes. And there's a lot of overlap and in information, but everybody has sort of like their own special, you know, something new every time. I know.
2: And I will try it all. And yeah. Sometimes it works and then it stops working.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I can drink a lot of wine before bed and it doesn't bother me. And then sometimes it really does. I mean, I just, I don't know. Maybe it had to do with my cycle. There's just like so many variables. Sometimes it's hard to ever pinpoint, like just completely hundred percent blame it on one thing. Except my children. But I guess Uh, the
2: good news is that because there are so many different like opinions and pieces of advice, like people can sort of just pick and choose and make their own little, you know, salad, their little sleep salad,
1: make your little sleep salad with all this information. Um, Do with it what you like. And I, you know, I will say it is like increasingly um, refreshing that this is like what we were talking closed close out our conversation on this point, which I think is a good one worth repeating. It's just that there's no badge, no badge of honor in like not getting sleep. <laughs> like, you know, Correct. it's this funny, it's this funny culture that I think we used to, have. we don't really have it as much anymore. The sort of like hustle culture is sort of dying a slow death, thankfully. But having that pride, like the people say it with like such pride, like, "Oh, I only need, need like five hours, hours. To sleep." Hours I five hours. To sleep. Yeah. go fuck yourself. Bullshit. That's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what we have to say to all, all of you people who want to brag about your bullshit sleep. No, <laughs> eight, nine, tops. Uh, yeah, no, we're talking. Now we're talking. Um, anyway, so enjoy our chat with Doctor Eric. Pray there. just see a uh, W in everywhere. <laughs> You just like beep, you know, give me the bleep. Um, Yeah. Have a listen. Let us know what you think. Sleep on it. (laughs) Sleep on it. Okay. Hey, co-founders of Earth and Star here real quick. What if we told you that your morning cup of coffee could deliver powerful immune support, keep dementia at bay and help you sleep like a baby? or that you could
2: improve your gut health and reduce inflammation with a delicious daily gummy? You'd probably say we're full of shiitake. Mm Mm-hmm, well, it can, and as it turns out, all of these powerful health benefits are hiding right under our feet, literally, in the form of functional
1: mushrooms, sometimes referred to as adaptogens. Adaptogens, they are fancy plants and fungi chock full of science-backed benefits to help your body restore, defend, and perform every single day. Earth and Star is our line of super premium adaptogen infused goodies. Goodies, what do we got? We've got organic Mm. ground coffee in Mm. dark roast,
2: hazelnut, even decaf for people like me. Um, And they're all boosted with a powerful dose of adaptogen extracts to give you the most delicious morning brew with zero
1: crash, zero jitters, zero, zero for real. Mm, Talk to me, I like it. But is it actual coffee? or that weird, muddy tasting coffee replacement that you have to like mix and froth and then convince yourself it tastes good. Tastes good and not like mud, you mean?
2: No. Uh No, Um, no,
1: because it's actual coffee. We just
2: added in the extracts. So you get extracts for powerful focus, sustained energy, no anxiety, no big whoop.
1: And if that's not your thing, we've also got dark chocolate bars. I mean, fun. They're organic, 72% cacao with delicious flavors like mint, orange, sea salt and all with no weird crap or additives. Most likely you have a daily chocolate habit anyway, so why not make it super delicious and functional while you're at it? Mm-hmm. And what's that, you still need an easier
2: way to make this adaptogen habit stick. I see what you did there. I see what you Done, I know, here's what I did. We've got gummies too, get it, mm-hmm. they stick. Um, nice. And we managed to pack a therapeutic dose into just two little vegan gummies.
1: Two, two, not not four or six, because come on, people, no grown-ass adult needs six gummies a day. <laughs> but if you do, no judgments. No judgments. And
2: no, Earth and Star products do not taste like mushrooms. We will legit give you your money back if you taste even the slightest hint of shroominess. Our products are just like the ones you are already consuming regularly, real coffee, real chocolate, etc. They are just boosted with functionality to help you adapt every day adapt every
1: day with all the stuff that comes our way. Oh my god, I just did a rhyme. That was good. Um that's pretty good. Uh, so check us out at earthandstar.com dot com and or follow us at Earth and Star Co. And if you want 15% off you can use the code HTW on your first order. do doo doo welcome Dr Eric Prather
2: Eric is how you pronounce your name. Eric
0: and it's Prather.
1: Oh Prather! Oh God, Eric Prather. Oh, we screwed that one up. But just oh, for the record, sh- just the so everybody knows one. the spelling, it's A R I C. So Eric got that part right. Like P-R-I-C. Eric, like
0: with it, like with an E, but just with an A.
1: And then Prather, but it's an A. <laughs> it sounds like an E. It's like <laughs> yeah. I kind of think that you're messing with us right now.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe I'll just say my name, and you guys don't have to worry about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and We're introduce special.
0: yourself? Uh, yeah, so Eric Prather. Okay, so, well, welcome. You. Yeah,
2: Eric.
0: thank you. Eric.
2: Um, And you have written a book that we are very excited to talk about because it appears that you are hacking some sleep stuff. Which um, anybody who has listened understands. This is my uh, what I don't know if it's the holy grail or what is the th- my white whale. Um, yeah. yeah, in life is to just sleep without having to do all the things. So we need to hear about the sleep prescription, which is what you have written.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Happy to talk about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think for all of us, right? Like it's, it's like the, it's, it's like the secret sauce or like the glue that like holds our lives together. Right. And like when it, it doesn't work right, it can cause a lot of distress, a lot of time, a lot of effort can be used to try to, try to figure it out.
2: I spend, I would say a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes on a given day, just trying to figure out what like cocktail of supplements and what sleep rituals are going to work for me tonight. And then, you know, the stress that is associated with that yeah, creates yeah. its own sleep issues. And I personally have been on, I would say like a five days, decent sleep, two days, very, very bad sleep, um, for the last like couple of months, which is actually progress for me.
0: Yeah. 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 Not yeah. Often. Yeah. Let's let's dig into it. Let's let's, let's dig know. in.
1: So I'm curious. I'm curious why. And I think this is always so funny about books because it has to be like sort of attainable. We always assign like a number to it. And this is right.
0: Yeah. How
1: to unlock your best rest in seven days, not eight, not That's
0: eight, it. just. So seven. how are we
1: going to do it in seven days?
0: Like one week. Uh, yeah. You know. So I mean, so this book is a part of a series, right? So they did one on love, and there's one on stress coming out, and it all has kind of the same. Kind of set up around seven days and but it's really like in the end of the book I talk about how like this is the this isn't the end it's the beginning because I kind of think of the the things that are laid out and they're kind of laid out one by one and it's all distilled from what is kind of you know recognized as the first line treatment for insomnia which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia which is what we do here in San Francisco in a clinic that I help run at, at UCSF um, but you know it's really I like to think of it really is like a recipe versus a menu, right? It's like it's not a it's like a list of things, but really you need you, you as you layer them on, it kind of creates what is important for getting your sleep back on track, but also like something that you're making, it often needs time to bake, right? Like it, and so it's like the accumulation of doing these things as habits will, you know, that are based in sleep science and leverages our sleep biology that's that's in there. Like we're kind of built to sleep. Over time, it will lead to um, improvements in people's kind of predictability around their sleep, which is often what is at the kind of the foundation of when people have really significant sleep problems is how unpredictable it's come become, mm-hmm. right? It's like we're we're constantly chasing sleep. And that's not how it works. I always say that, like, you know, no one really even wonders how sleep works until it stops. <laughs> But then when That's it stops, right. it's like, oh, my gosh, like, how, how do I make this happen again? How do I get this, you know, how do I get this back? And it turns out that like sleep isn't something that we make happen. It's something that happens to us, right? It kind of washes over us. And when but when people have insomnia, they often make changes or choices, not that, you know, they're to blame for it, because all the choices that people make are really reasonable in the moment, but actually end up undermining how sleep works naturally.
1: So what are, I mean, so working from that, I mean, what are some of the ways that we undermine our sleep?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, and again, this is, is, you know, it's geared towards people that have insomnia, right? Because everybody has like, I mean, I think the first thing is like, look, sleep is variable, right? Like everybody has ups and downs and when we can't remove all the stress out of our lives, the expectation that we're going to have the best night of sleep every night is just not reasonable, particularly because we know that sleep changes as we age. And there's lots of biological things that happen that can, you know, also happen as we age and that yeah. contributes to kind of changes in kind of norms around sleep and expectations that we should have around what our sleep should look like. But, you know, when people have um have you know ha- get into a a routine that undermines their sleep, one of the things that happens is that people often um spend a lot of time in bed not sleeping. Right? Because sleep is it's become so unpredictable that you really want to be in the right place at the right time. And so people spend a lot of time, like, you know, maybe they'll go to bed a little bit early because they're like, God, it really took me a hard time to get to sleep. Or I'm like, I'm only getting six hours of sleep. I want to make sure I get it, but I don't know when it's going to be in that time. Oh, and so I'm already panicking, by the way. I'm, I'm already like panicking. Anxious.
1: This is like the weird thing. I, I feel like I start panicking about not being able to sleep somewhere in like late afternoon
0: but sorry, go on. <laughs> right. So, I mean, right. So like, this is, I mean, right. So that's, that's what happens is, you know, people then begin to kind of lose what we call like self efficacy around sleep. Right. And like, and so people will spend a lot of time in bed, not sleeping. So that, that window that they create for themselves, which again is understandable in the moment because sleep, it feels so unpredictable. It It's a window that's much bigger than you could possibly ever fill up with sleep. So people will, you know, do with, you know, some versions of insomnia will spend something like twelve hours in bed. Right, they'll go to bed early. They'll kind of sleep in later because they had a bad night of sleep, and and they can't fill up that space with sleep. And as a consequence, you're guaranteeing hours of time we are not sleeping because you know the body can only make so much, right? But because it feels so unpredictable, that's what people will do. Um, yeah. Can go you?
1: Ahead. Can and you, then you? Sorry. Can, can you <laughs> define? So, like, I'm just trying to understand like what the true definition of
0: insomnia is my
1: question too oh yeah see see how in sync we are um yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah so i mean certainly you know people have experienced insomnia symptoms right that's like difficulty falling asleep staying asleep waking up too early but uh kind of the clinical diagnosis of insomnia disorder is kind of having those symptoms, one of those symptoms and dissatisfaction with your sleep and daytime dysfunction, right? So kind of feeling tired or having kind of brain fog or, you know, beer, you know, changes in mood, like increased irritability or anxiety. Um, but it, you know, it, it's also kind of a, a, there's a duration component. So it's, you know, three times a week for the last three months. And then it's not, you know, it's not due to other things. So you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people will get depressed and their sleep will get disrupted, right? And then it's like, it's really due to the depression or when their depression gets worse, their insomnia gets worse. Or, you know, there's lots of medical conditions where insomnia is really common. And so, you know, those things can also be accounting for it. But, you know, if it's not accounted for by like a substance or a disorder, another, you know, medical comorbidity or psychiatric comorbidity, and it has this duration and you have the opportunity to sleep, but you just can't, um, that would, you know, that would meet the the diagnostic criteria for insomnia disorder. Yeah. So it's
1: almost like a. It's almost like you have to do um, sort of like an allergy elimination diet <laughs> and take remove all of the all of the things before you can officially say like you know. Well, I mean, I, for example, like yeah. you know, if I haven't slept in three days, um, maybe it's because I had wine too late. So I'd have to stop taking wine. Stop drinking wine. Taking
2: actually, wine. I take a lot <laughs> to of wine. Take it medically. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's where the for the know. past 3 months, right? It's like 3 days a week, every, three days or more every week for 3 months, right? Yeah. That that like that builds that that weighs on people, right? That like kind of like that's a wear and tear on your system. By the time you get to those 3 months, it's it's fairly clear that you have insomnia. And and I will say, you know, most of the people that come to our clinic, I mean it's been like 10 years they've had insomnia. Yeah. And it it's like it's it's and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, people will go um you know the first person they'll go to is like the primary care physician which makes sense for almost anything that is an ailment but um you know the the treatment is often some kind of prescription sleep aid and that really masks the problem right as soon as you stop stop taking it it will you'll have insomnia again and if you stop taking it kind of cold turkey you're going to have kind of the worst insomnia you've ever had and so you know that that really doesn't address it but you know right like that's that's where people know to go and so that's, that's the challenge well, so-
2: On that note then, because then I want to, you know, we definitely want to get into, you know, some of the the tactics and approaches, but it's interesting that we're talking about that you mentioned like that root cause thing, because that's certainly, you know, in the world that we kind of, you know, operate in, functional medicine is always about, you know, addressing the root cause rather than masking the symptoms. So in this case, like what, you know, eliminating all those other things that you just named what is the actual root cause of this chronic insomnia? I mean, I understand, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. aging and some, you know, to some degree like gut health and all of these things, but like what is actually like what is that specific mechanism that is causing insomnia?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great um great question. And I mean, I think, you know, first, like the way that we think about the development of insomnia is like this 3P model, right? So the first first P is you know, some people have a predisposition to it. Like some people are just more anxious. you know, are, you know, th- there is some genetic component to insomnia. Um, and then there's usually a precipitating factor, like a stressor or something that goes on in your life that disturbs your sleep. But it's really these the final p, these kind of perpetuating factors that create a chronic insomnia, right? Even though the stressor is removed, all the things you've done, and you continue to have this. and and so, you know the the things that are dysregulated, in insomnia, the kind of the root cause from my perspective are kind of, you know, things that affect what regulates our sleep, right? So, so a misalignment of things like our circadian rhythm, Mm -hmm. and then our homeostatic sleep drive, which is kind of this drive for sleeping. um, We undermine how that works with our behaviors. And that kind of creates distress because now you're not sleeping well. And that distress kind of perpetuates the feelings, you know, the things that get in the way of insomnia. And I mean, I think a good example is like, oftentimes I'll have people who are say taking Ambien or some other medication and they'll say, um, you know, it just didn't work last night. Like I was just, you know, cause you can overcome even those types of medications because it's, it's not the absence of it, Ambien in your system. That's keeping you from sleeping. It is, it's, it's kind of our brain, our, 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 our inability to let go like that mm-hmm. hypervigilance that really gets in the way um and so you know what what cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia does or cbti is does is really kind of behaviorally try to you know work with your sleep system to get it back on track and what happens is people begin to build confidence in their ability to sleep they're being kind of reacquainted with that feeling of sleepiness for, and for many that like, they've never, they haven't felt that in so long. They, they always say that they're tired, but they're never sleepy. Yeah. Right. And, and by doing that, by building up that confidence, it kind of allows people to let go to like, not think about sleep anymore. Right. Like it just happens again. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, and I, I will say that like, when you give someone their sleep back, like, it, it it has incredible spillover effects for the rest of their, to the rest other aspects of their life right like they're we're we're better partners we're better parents we're more empathetic we're more able to deal with stress we make better dietary choices right we're more likely to do that like that exercise Everything. in the morning all of those things oh. are tied to our ability to sleep and are disturbed when we don't get what we need
1: yeah it really does and that's why it feels so circular where it's like yeah. you know, um <laughs> Of course, you're going to have all you're going to feel anxious and depressed and you know, moody and whatever, and all those things won't allow you to sleep. But if you don't get to sleep, you're going to feel those things. I mean, it just is like, oh, this endless cycle. (laughs) Um, but speaking of worrying and having anxiety about that, so you say worrying, I'm curious what you mean by this the power of worrying early, um, and you know, how to silence the anxious mind. What does worrying early mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're always looking for strategies to kind of take the worrying out of the middle of the night or like right when you go to bed, right? That like, you know, it turns out as humans in the dead of the night is when our brain kind of fills that space. And it's never with like the most positive things in your life, right? Like, it's always <laughs> Why like,
1: is that? Why? I, you know,
0: I mean, I, <laughs> Why do you I think
1: the worst for last.
0: I, well, I mean, it's almost like I like a lot of people ask me that I, I think probably it's it's probably pretty adaptive in the short term to like be thinking about the future and like what you what you need to solve and how you might be able to. But it, like it, it never, doesn't feel good, right? I mean, like in, in the same way that stress is necessary for life, like you need things to push you to be motivated, right? So it's like, but it, but it's it's kind of on a curve um, where too much is is uh, is bad for you and too little is probably bad for you. And so um, and and so the worrying piece, you know, we're trying to figure out strategies to kind of move that out of the nighttime experience because we're just not at our best right at that time like we can't be solving things we can't be and so worrying early actually like being intentional about scheduling it where you say you take 15 minutes out of your day you all you do is kind of find a place where you can just worry about things right maybe you write it down maybe you you know but but i think the important part is like it's a habit. Like, it's like you use that 15 minutes. You're like, Oh, I don't have anything to worry about. No, you use the 15 minutes. Like it's, it's that time. And you just sit there and do that because, and then, you know, when it gets the, if you do this over time, um, in the evening at night, when you wake up, you can tell yourself kind of this self-talk model of like, look, I did this already. And I covered this today. I covered this. Yeah. Today. And more importantly, I have it scheduled for tomorrow too. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, look, like this this is not the right time to be doing this and it you know it's just been shown to be effective in helping people let go a little bit right i mean obviously when things are on your mind they're on your mind and 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 there are other things that we can do in the moment but uh, that one seems to be helpful in in kind of trying to compartmentalize some of these things right um yeah. in a, in, a, in a more appropriate time space when you when you're kind of more you know your your brain is working better
2: yeah I mean, for would, sure, that we could actually control the time of day that we worry. But I guess trying to put some guardrails in place around it in the first place might be a good uh, a good step in the right direction. Like, excuse me, Zoe, I have to go worry now. So, um, can you just like finish this conversation?
1: Like Erica, you have from eight a.m. to nine a.m. to run around with your head on fire. Just go <laughs> run in circles, and, and then you're done. And then you're done. Um, yeah, it's funny. I actually, I feel like I instinctively do that. I kind of get like the. uh the most stressful, worrying kind of things out of the way. Because I know, you know, it's like there is a certain point at which my brain does just shut off in the evening. Um, And I'm so, you know, there there are definitely a lot of people who, um, I'm curious to hear what you think about this too. I think I know what you're going to say. But, uh, you know, those um, people who say you know that they're most productive most effective most mentally sort of aware at night time and they get their best work done like they're they're you know late at night they're sort of um not early birds they're not very productive in the morning <laughs> my husband but um but like it's you know and i'm like i can't i have no idea how you do that no, i'm literally the like. opposite yeah. I'm night and day and I kind of call bullshit on that all the time I'm just like I think you're procrastinating I think you're doing all these other things so I mean I'm just curious is there a brain that is like is that truly like a a type of person um like you know your brain works better at night
0: yeah I mean so so I mean one it's it's so often that like couples are kind of paired up and they kind of differ in these sorts of ways. Like it, so often, like I have someone that has like severe insomnia and their partner, like sleeps like a, a rock. And it's like every night they have to like stare at that and be like, Inferior. why is like, to me? Um, but like, you know, luckily, like we, we choose our partners based on other things other than their, their preferences for sleeping patterns and things like that. But I mean, you know, that there, you know, there's absolutely a uh, kind of a circadian differences. And so what you're, what you're talking about is kind of a delayed type person or night owl, right? And um, you know, there is good evidence that kind of their ability to be alert is, you know is different than people that aren't night owls and where they kind of do get this burst of energy and they tend to stay up later, they tend to, tend to want to sleep in later. Um, and for many people, it's kind of like a, a lifelong thing. Now, there is some kind of gray area there, right? Because like procrastination, all those things can be used as ways of being like explaining why you're doing something. But usually it's the case where like if someone's on vacation and they're kind of left to their kind of free running kind of biology, they will tend to still stay up later than um, you know, than others who don't have that same kind of biological preference. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I certainly... Like there are, you know, there are extreme cases, right? That where, you know, where people, I, I see a lot of people that are like they're like computer programmers, and they like they work all night, and then they want to sleep all day, and they have a job, say like at Google or something like that, where everything's fine, and they 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 are very productive, and then all of a sudden they get a manager that wants to have like nine a.m. meetings every week, and this, their life falls apart because they, you know, they're, they're now their circadian biology, their their preference, their genetics. Are like misaligned with the world, and so you know that can be really that's gonna be really hard, right? Because it's not their fault. It's just like the world isn't set up for people that are like really late night people, um, and it's not you know. And so that 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 is always a tough conversation. But you know, I, I guess in this way, based on the information that you told me, I would take the side of your husband. But I do understand that. Uh, it, I
1: don't think we're that's editing that out. For. By the way, That's yeah, totally yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Put, uh, totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. Totally fair.
2: Um. <laughs> So can we dive in a little bit to what happens over the course of these seven magical days where it's oh, sure. going to save
1: your save your life. But well, what is the first <laughs> yeah, I mean like what is the first piece of advice? What what is the first piece of advice that you give someone? Uh, I mean
0: should... I guess the first one is to buy the book. That's the first thing. But then <laughs> Or find someone who has it. I'm just joking. Uh, uh so so you know the the probably the number one thing that I always tell people to do and this is a hard one. I mean and, and again it's it's uh like I, I try to meet people where they are, like with what, you know, and like, but if people have, you know, significant sleep problems, um, the first thing that you should do is set a standard wake up time, like that you keep seven days a week. And it's because you want to kind of begin to entrain or kind of like sync your kind of internal rhythm and just your circadian rhythm plays a really important role in kind of how we feel during the day, how alert we are during the day and kind of the predictability of how your body works. And also it's, I, I focus specifically on the morning because you can't put a, like a bedtime on someone that has kind of significant sleep problems. That's actually really distressing, right? Yeah. And so, but, but because we use uh, the same kind of energy each day, um, you know, you'll begin to get sleepy around the same time each night right? But you, you know sleep is something that you don't control. Sleepiness isn't something we control, but we can control when we wake up. And so that would be the first thing to put in place. Um, it, it's both, it kind of sets your circadian rhythm. Um, and then it also sets kind of in motion your, your sleep drive, which I kind of use the example, it's kind of like a balloon that builds up with sleepiness throughout the day. So you like wake up, your balloon's flat, you go throughout the day, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then kind of when it gets to like an optimal amount, you begin to get sleepy and then you go to sleep and it kind of like drains out that sleepiness. And so if you keep your wake time around the same each day, it just makes that more predictable too. kind of the same amount of time has to go by uh, typically to, to, to kind of get the sleepiness that you need to kind of make that transition.
1: So, so a question on that too, is I, I, there are people who, you know, also wake up insanely early, right? Like before the sun. So thinking about circadian rhythm, like, is that actually good? I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. So that's, so that's the, the other end of the continuum. So that's like, what's called an advanced phase person, right? Where they kind of, and, and, and there's some evidence that as we get older, like maybe our grandparents, like you'll end up, uh, they, they go to bed earlier, they get up really early, uh, my grandparents lived in in Palm Springs, and so they did that. But they also, because it was you know 120 degrees, they had to get up at that time anyway. But uh, but yeah, I mean that that's absolutely a thing. Um, it's not necessarily bad for you. Again, it's not well aligned with kind of the the time, right? Like you know, when people want to have dinner, and you want to go to bed, you know, for instance. But uh, but it's it's just it's just kind of a ri- a variety of our, our circadian rhythms. I think if I think one of the issues where it becomes challenging and the same is true for someone that has a delayed circadian phase is if they're able to get a sufficient amount of sleep in that time, right? So, you know, someone that has an advanced sleep phase, if they have to do things in the evening or they want to, right, that can be hard because now they're kind of shortening their sleep opportunity window in the same way that someone wants to stay up late, but they have a job that starts really early. They are shortening that, that window and so then they're kind of getting shorted on that amount of sleep that they they need to function well
1: yeah that's interesting okay well so i'm feeling pretty good about not waking up before the sun yeah yeah you know, like Most those people, people who are like yeah. i wake up at five and like i go to the gym jam- like they do all these things before the sun even comes up and i'm just you know i already wake up feeling like i'm super behind um but i'm not that person so i don't care uh so can you talk a little bit about the um the restriction technique which i feel like you were starting to go there oh yeah
0: so i mean i think so the other thing so there are a couple there are like two other main things that i that i want to make sure that we cover so the one was the kind of waking up too early or waking up at the same time each day right right um and then so one of the things that we want to take advantage of with respect to someone's sleep biology is this balloon, right? This like homeostatic sleep drive that's building up. And oftentimes people who have insomnia, they, they, don't, they don't feel sleepiness the same kind of way, right? They're just like, they're so nervous about it. They're so, um, and, and, and I mentioned like one of the, the behaviors that people do is like go to bed like prematurely early because sleep is so un, unpredictable. They're chasing it. They want to catch it. Um, and so once we, so what we do, and this is in the book, but like what we do in clinic is we have people complete sleep diaries, right? So we ask everyone to become like their own sleep scientist. And so they kind of write down what time they go to bed, what time they, you know, how long it takes them, how many times they wake up, how many minutes they're awake during the night, and then kind of what time they wake up in the morning. And that will give us kind of how much opportunity that they're giving themselves and how much sleep they're getting for that time. And once we have that information we actually tend to short, like shorten people's sleep opportunity to try to consolidate their sleep, and and the way that we do that is by making their their bedtime later, right? So we make their bedtime later. It actually increases the balloon, right? This balloon gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and you know if we do it right, we people are actually kind of like watching the clock, wanting to go to sleep. Something that they haven't experienced in so long is like this feeling of overwhelming sleepiness, just trying to kind of stay up. And so what we have, I mentioned we don't have a kind of set bedtime for people, but we do set a no earlier than bedtime, right? So it's like, if you're bedtime, you know, if we, we give you a, a schedule of like 12 a.m., it's like, you need to stay up till 12 a.m. If you get If it gets 12 a.m. and you're not sleepy, don't get in bed. Right. Like we don't want you to get in bed not sleepy, but we don't want you to kind of give in early because we're really trying to kind of amp up this sleep drive. And if mm-hmm. you do this over time, you know, people will kind of feel sleepier during the day, right? Necessarily, because they're getting probably less sleep than maybe they 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 want, but they were already getting less sleep than they were getting wanted anyway, because it was right. based on their sleep diary. And then um, and then it just becomes more consolidated, right? Like people kind of fall asleep really quickly, they tend to kind of sleep through the night. In a in a, a continuous fashion. And it turns out that like a big bolus of sleep feels better. Like for you know, they're, they're subjectively. Like people feel better the next day, even if it's less than they need, than if it if it was even a little bit more sleep, but broken up, right? That broken up sleep just doesn't feel as good. And so so we do that. And it it's in cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, like that, the the full treatment, it's it's like the hammer. Like it's like you do the, if someone can do this. Like, you know, most, most cases their sleep will improve. And so once it's consolidated and we're tracking it again with a sleep diary, we begin to slowly move their bedtimes a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier um, until we kind of hit a place where they're starting to have awakenings again. And we're like, okay, we hit the sweet spot. Like now we, this is where it is. And it's usually a bedtime that's later than they were doing before or what they thought it would be, but it, it produces kind of a better quality of sleep.
2: Hmm. And that's over the course of how long that's more than seven days that that's. Yeah. Big.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why it's the last, it's the last thing in this book, like of the days, because you need to calculate accumulate the data to actually set a time for yourself. Um, and so usually like I've seen it start working, you know, within a week, but you know, it's usually a couple weeks that you start to notice the difference. Like if you stick to it uh, regularly, um, you know, at, if you go to like a clinic uh, to do this therapy it typically is like you know at least in ours it's like an evaluation session and then maybe like five like follow-ups that're like a half hour long where we kind of like layer on kind of these strategies. so you know, I mean depending on how soon you do it, it's like a month of
1: yeah. of, of
0: of kind of working on it but I, again, like all of the all of the work happens in between, right like it's like it's like a night it's a daily thing that you have to kind of kind of work at but it's it's really shifting your thinking around, sleep kind of as something that you're not trying to we we tr- it's try to set up to to set up all these parameters so that you don't have to think about it right like it's like because it, the effort is often the problem right the afternoon effort of like thinking about like what you need to be doing to get right. a good sleep is is challenge is is hard
1: well so then i mean i like that is like basically like reverse psychology it's like you cannot go to sleep until midnight okay so don't worry about it um but what do you do then in like what is that what does that wind down period look like and how yeah. soon should it start? Because I know that's, you know, so it's, yeah. it's a big piece of the puzzle, right? It's like, at what point is a wind down routine, like healthy and good. And at what point is it kind of like contributing to this like whole like fanfare and like anxiety around like getting ready for sleep to, you know, the degree yeah. that it's causing anxiety and it's taking up too much brain space. And you're sort of like anticipating constantly for too long. Like, what is that middle ground?
0: Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a really great point, and certainly there's like whole industries created around this. Right? Oh my gosh! Uh, like and so, ceremonies
1: uh, that take hours. It's just like, oh, just go to bed. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I think, I think, you know, my my view is that you know there really is. It's important to kind of demarcate like a transition, right, where you kind of like close the chapter on the day, and like, okay, now I'm going to wind down. And and it and it really I focus on. So I mean, the timing. You know, I think we typically say like two hours, but like it's, you know, if it's an hour or whatever, like it's it's whatever kind of transition works within your life, but it it can't be immediate, right? Like we're not like laptops where I can just close this, you know, close this and my brain turns off. You know, we need to kind of, because those rituals are really important, but they don't have to be kind of elaborate, right? What we're really trying to do is kind of cue your body that a transition is happening, right? And one that is kind of towards, kind of relaxation, because your body needs that that time to actually ready itself to kind of transition into sleep effectively. And so what do you do during that time? Well, um, you know, first, it's kind of making sure that that time is carved out, right? That you're not like, you know, doing email while you're trying to transition. Um, and And then it's like, you know, I focus on kind of behaviors that are kind of low arousal and like, slightly positive, right? Like things that you enjoy doing. But I also think that a lot of it is pretty personal, right? Like I said, like sleep is really universal, but it's also really personal. Like there are things about your life that you know only you know about and things that work for you. So like, you know, some people read. I used to think reading was the thing. Like I was like, oh, you just need to read a couple pages. Like I just read a couple pages and I fall asleep, like no problem. And then I met all these people that are like voracious readers, right? And they're like you know, consuming books across the whole night And I'm like, well, that's not for you. Like, that's not like that's, that's positive, but that's high arousal, right? Like that's engaging for the brain. And what we're trying to get away from is things that like, you know, hit that reward center in your brain, right? So usually as a rule, I'm like, you know, social media probably isn't the thing, right? Like things like TikTok are probably not the thing for you to do because those are designed to keep you engaged, right? Like those, that's why they exist is like to keep you engaged and then to see the ads, Right and then trigger and anxiety so,
2: about why your life is not as good as right, the
0: right, right. <laughs> and this, the, yeah, the the the, yeah, the the upward social comparison is real, right? And like that doesn't activate those kind of positive feelings about yourself, right? Only negative ones usually. And so, so you know, it's like whether it's like reading, listening to music, you know, listening to the podcasts that 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 you like, but aren't like kind of you know, crime serial versions where you have to like you know wait to the next one. Um, anything that uh, you enjoy, but can demarcate this, this transition. And then it's like, you know, all the other kind of bedtime things that you might do. Um, and, and the, the ones that people do are not like, there's not always like a lot of science based in them. Right. Uh, with the exception of like maybe a hot shower, which will help kind of, or, you know, a a warm bath that will help with your kind of core body temperature. But the other ones are often like they become kind of tied to the experience of sleep. And so the ritual themselves can be helpful, right? They can just like help cue your body about what's gonna happen next. Because really our brain is like just a predicting machine, right? That's all, that's its main role is to like take in information, make predictions about like how to use resources so that we can stay alive. And so the more predictable things can be kind of the, the better the, the predictions are, right? Like there's just more information, they know what to do next. And so kind of setting up this transition, doing things that are relaxing for you but, you know, really investing that time because, you know, oftentimes our lives are really busy, but, you know, sleep kind of pays a lot of dividends during the day if we kind of ensure that we protect it.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm just sitting here making uh, the list of all of the various um, efforts that I have made over the years in, in, you know, whether it's behavioral or supplements, and I want to get your take on supplements too, but I would love to just get your like yay or nay on like all of these things that I have done, which include white noise machine, cold room, box breathing, blue light glasses, bright light in the morning, yoga nidra, meditation, valerian, magnesium, lavender, GABA, rishi, CBN. And that's it.
0: I mean, it, you're <laughs> invested in your sleep. I like it. Yeah, uh, I still don't like
2: it. I <laughs> still haven't cracked it.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, like I think many of those things are, you know, critical to having a good night's sleep. So, you know, like, um, you know, keeping your room dark, quiet and cool is is really important. Like you could do all these other behavioral things, but like your lights are all on and and, you know, noise is blaring. It's not going to make a difference. Um, You know, I think you know the different kind of meditation strategies can be really helpful for relaxing people for some you know some people kind of gravitate towards those and those can be really helpful um the what are the other ones? so the supplements that you mentioned oh so oh so the light in the morning definitely important so like if for you sunlight
1: we're talking about sunlight yeah. not just well, well kind of so sunlight artificial... or yeah
0: right so sunlight or if you if you have like a light box or if you you know have you know like a daylight today
2: you're not going outside and getting bright light in your eyes so i have my light box
0: yeah, I mean, you know, like you're probably still getting like a sufficient amount of sunlight if you like stood near the window, but uh, but yeah, right. So like, there are other ways, and right, like I used to live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and everyone had a light box. Yeah. Like it was just like all the time. Like it was just cloudy all the time. Uh, but uh, and so you know, all those things with respect to supplements. I mean, certainly there is you know some evidence that they can be effective, like particularly. Uh, I think like valerian has been shown like in in kind of you know randomized placebo-controlled trials, uh, for some, in some cases, to be effective. Um, and, and, you know, certainly magnesium has also been shown to be effective for some people. Um, you know, and, I, and so, you know, if that's helpful for an individual, that's fine. And also, those are likely not to have um, any kind of big, you know, negative side effects. Um, you know, of course, consult your physician for any kind of contraindications uh, for your health. But, um, you know, there's also... There's also, uh, you know, some level of placebo effect that are involved in those. And Mm. that's not like a bad thing. I guess I always, but I always bring up that like these things aren't inherently bad, um, you know, at least as far as we know, but it's always a question of like, what happens if you don't have it, Mm. right? Like, is it like, you know, so the, the psychological dependency is real for these things. And, and so it's always something to, to kind of question if it turns out that you don't have it. And all of a sudden you don't sleep for the entire night because you didn't take your magnesium pill um you know that that kind of calls into question like hey like maybe i need to get a hold of this because you know my sleep you know i'm really kind of relying on this thing and um maybe i'm putting a little bit too much effort into my sleep routine than i need to be you know what i mean and yeah. i think there are ways to yeah know, even when when i when i most people who come to our clinic are already on some kind of medication or supplement and when you know and i never my goal is always to get them off of it, but like, I don't, I don't have any like value judgment on it, uh, in any way, but especially when it comes to supplements, but some people, you know, they, they want to get off magnesium for whatever reason. And so like, we'll do like a s- <laughs> slow tapering of that, um, in the same way, just to kind of wean away at that psychological dependency, yeah. uh, just like you would for any other kind of medication. And it's, it's just so it's-
1: funny because magane- magnesium is just like, <laughs> just oh, like yeah, I yeah, take, yeah, I take it every night. I take magnesium glycinate. And I definitely yeah. like, I, I will feel like I will, whether it's severe or not, um, I'll definitely feel like I'll wake up if I don't have it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, I, it, it does do something. No, I just think like, I've never thought about it in terms of like having like a serious addiction. Like I have to like taper my magnesium habit. It's just kind of funny. It's like psychological association that that's all yeah.
2: I am, that's definitely what it is. Cause I f- will tend to panic if I like go on a trip and I forget to bring some combination of my little magic, whatever they are. Um, And it's mostly, yeah. I think it it is mostly the psychological dependency, which not awesome either. Um, What is your take? I feel like I know the answer, but I'm just curious because we like to ask everybody. But what's your take on melatonin? Like, how anti are you? Because there, there's a big spectrum. Is that? Oh, she just
0: assumed
1: that you were anti.
0: Oh, (laughs) like most. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, so you know, lots of people take melatonin. uh, You know, it like the efficacy data for it is not high. You know, but it also, I don't think there's also a lot of evidence to suggest that if you chronically take it, it's going to like burn out your pineal gland or anything like that. Um, we don't really know, but uh, most people take it at much higher doses than they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem to be that effective for insomnia for most people, at least in in kind of the trials. Um, it is something that we use routinely when we try to shift Someone's circadian rhythm, right? Like so. This well, so like kind your of husband. Like the main for instance. Thing is
2: supposed to be for right is literally just shifting that clock and nothing. yeah. Or
0: for you know for jet lag or for you know someone that has you know has a delayed sleep phase and they want to kind of work within kind of the bounds of the world right? It's uh, you know, well, but we do like at a really low dose. So it's like 0.5 milligrams yeah. and we do it much earlier, right? So like five hours before someone wants to be asleep. Cause it, it's really just to kind of cue your brain to be like, Oh, I should be making melatonin. And so that's, that's, and that's its role. And, you know, that paired with light exposure in the morning and kind of shifting it kind of on a schedule can be effective, but um, you know, and then I think uh, you know, there is some data to suggest that it's, you know, can be helpful for kids. Um, that's, that's like for sleep. And that's something that I'm not, I'm not a pediatric sleep medicine person, but I, you know, I don't, I don't really know why it, it's, it seems to work better in that way, but it's I'm like, like, Hmm, I have <laughs> to keep yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. me up all. Night. Oh my <laughs> God. My child. Ta- uh, yes. Talk about like the reading at night. I, uh, my, my son has like a, the reading at night doesn't, he's just all going at midnight and he'll still be there. Just like pouring over harry potter like yeah yeah, yeah. Reading, like, like oh this has to stop but maybe
0: well
1: maybe the well, answer is melatonin be clear I'm bad, i am okay. not
0: promoting it i'm just saying that no like, i think we all heard it right here
1: <laughs> right here <laughs> are, are uh dr uh, preether <laughs>
0: <laughs> he
1: told me to do it
0: no no edit that out i'm kidding i'm happened. kidding
1: <laughs> you know i accidentally erica do you remember when i accidentally took, I do. I uh, i'm right, like i Never take melatonin. I accidentally, I know we have to wind it down, but um, I accidentally took 21, I think it was 21 milligrams of melatonin. Thinking it was two, right? You thought it was like 2.1. Thinking it was something. Yeah. I, I don't know if I had jet lag or something. I was like home, but I just was like, like done, <laughs> slept all day. I mean, it was on, it was like it felt like I was carrying a thousand pounds. I mean, yeah. my body could just not go on. There was you no sent me way. some text message in the middle of your haze. You were like, I, was I, like, I just Whoa. took too
2: much melatonin <laughs> and then like powered down, didn't hear from yeah. you for like six hours.
1: If anyone has any question uh, as to whether or not, I mean, I don't know. There's not a lot of right to back it up, but my God, that backed it up for me. I was like, I was out, gone. Yeah. Done. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a um, lot of people, like you know, at least in my experience, they often kind of have a hangover effect from it too. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. You know, so. For sure.
2: That's why I don't even go anywhere near like the actual hardcore prescription stuff. But yeah. Um, one yeah. last question that has more to do with behavioral stuff. And then I know we gotta wind it up. But are you familiar with or what is your take on this concept about sleep segmenting? Do you know? I mean, I'm sure
0: you know, but. I mean, kind of like that, you know, the historical tendency for people to kind of sleep. Well,
2: what I've heard about it is that if you are somebody who it's just how you're wired that you go to bed, maybe at 11, but you're consistently up from like two to four, for example, then maybe you go and embrace that two to four and like, get up and actually do something productive with it since you definitely know you're not asleep. And I have a couple of friends that actually have just recently admitted that this is what they do. Like, She'll finish all of her, you know, nonfiction reading between not two and four because she knows she's not sleeping anyway. So it's the idea of just like accepting that your sleep is broken up and you know leaning into it rather than trying to fight it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I I have a couple thoughts about it. So I mean, in that in that instance, um, that that sounds really healthy, right? Like that that kind of behavior. I mean, versus kind of stewing away in bed and kind of worry about the fact that you're not sleeping. So that was the other thing I want to talk about is like when people aren't able to sleep, like definitely it's it's bad to kind of lay in bed and not and worry about it, right? Like that creates a kind of a conditioned arousal where you it begins to kind of uh, become predictable that you like wake up and you have this hard time sleeping um, and this worry happens. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that that scenario is can work if someone is able to get this amount of sleep that they need, right? Mm-hmm. So like this idea, like, you know, there was this idea like before electricity, uh, you know, people would go to bed earlier and then they'd wake up and then they would be up for a couple hours and they go to sleep again. And that makes sense because we, we sleep in cycles. Um, also, the time that the, the sun's down to when it comes up is longer than we can sleep. Right, so it's like we won't, you know, you would have to wake up. Like there was no other way, and so you know, it, it worked out in that strategy. Like for for your friend, I mean, if they go to bed at eleven and they wake up and they're awake from two to four, and then they they you know are able to sleep in a little bit later yeah, and they, they feel go like four good. Four
2: seven or whatever.
0: It's not inherently bad. No, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's I think that's really at the crux of it is that you know people worry so much about what they should be doing, you know, for sleep, and and that can kind of feed insomnia. And so when people kind of wake up and, you know, wake up at two, they, you know, they give themselves 20 minutes or so to get back to sleep. It doesn't happen. You know, you want to kind of get out of bed, do something quiet or, you know, read or something to try to see if you can get back to sleep. But if you get into a rhythm where you're like just up for two hours and it's working for you, then it's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I think there, you know, there, some people will argue that like there's something about having. Kind of all those cycles together. I don't think that is, you know, fair for people to like try to kind of shame people into like, why isn't your sleep all like bundled together? And that um because I, I don't think we really know like what what the long-term effects of those are. And a lot of times, like our sleep is is to help us function better in the daytime, right? right? On a day-to-day basis to kind of be our best selves. And so if you kind of work out a strategy that works for you. Um, ideally not without without medications kind of kind of using your sleep biology to to kind of help your sleep be more restorative um, the better off you are but like look like life's hard man you know you've got to try to figure out what works and 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 kind of prioritizing sleep will uh, kind of have lots of benefits um, kind of in in your day-to-day life
1: so one strategy i just for myself drink earlier just drink earlier Take your wine earlier. So, I take my wine earlier. Don't take it so close. To-
0: it's true. I mean, you know, sleep medicine, folks, we're, we're, uh, we're big on the day drinking.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, right? Fun. I tell you, it was like the big greatest discovery. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not the fun police. It's just like, <laughs> just don't take it too close to bedtime. Uh, that's refreshing
1: <laughs> to hear. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much. This is, God, it's just never a subject talk about it forever. It's so important. Um, isn't it strange how we haven't been like it, sleep has not been recognized for so long. It's like all of a sudden there's so much attention being paid to it. I feel like it's like a main pillar of health.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of, I mean, like over the, like the probably like 15 years that I've been kind of doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's changed a lot. It's changed yeah. a lot. Kind of the, like the public, I, I like to think there's like, a, you know, a slow shift in like the collective consciousness around, Prioritizing rest, yeah. um, including sleep, and 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 that I hope that that continues. I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be kind of push and pull um, down the line, but I mean, I think we're you know we're learning more and more about kind of the costs of insufficient sleep, the benefits of of getting enough, and um, you know, I think it, you know over the course of the pandemic, like people kind of really started to kind of rethink like what <laughs> like how do how do I how do I protect my health. Um, how do I kind of ensure that I um can kind of live my best life and and hopefully I like to think that sleep has become a part of that a little bit. I also think technology has played a big role. I think people are kind of fascinated by tracking their sleep. And so that's that's really become like something that, you know, an individual can user can do and and then kind of like, you know, piques their interest and and that kind of drives some of the other things that that go on in, in the world around sleep. So
2: yeah. Yeah. I've opted to not track it because it just makes me feel bad about myself. But I like, I pretty much know my sleep score for today, which is two out of 100.
0: That's not true. But, uh, (laughs) but, but yeah, no, I like, uh, you know, there is like a segment of the population uh, that there's, there's a term called orthosomnia, which is like insomnia that develops because of wearable devices. Um, And yeah, that's it's a, it's an unfortunate thing because they're not, they're not the, the hard truth around sleep, right? It's like, yeah. it's for consumer use. Yeah.
1: that's, oh, that's totally so
2: interesting. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. I know we've taken up quite a bit of it. Um,
0: no, that was awesome. You guys super, are so great to talk to.
2: <laughs> super <laughs> beneficial and helpful. Um, so we want everybody to buy the book. Where do they go to get it?
0: I think anywhere where books are sold online. Go to your local bookstore if you can.
2: Yes. Go to small, small bookstores if possible. Yeah. Um, Especially if you get up too early, you know, just go for a walk and go wait outside outside
0: until it opens. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
2: (laughs) Okay. And it's the sleep prescription by Dr. Eric Prather.
0: Wow. You nailed it.
2: Nailed
1: it last time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much and best of luck with all
1: of it. (laughs) Thank you. I go
0: with that. All (laughs) All right. All right, guys.
1: He thank does. you so much. Okay.
0: well. <laughs> bye. All right,
2: bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Give us a couple of stars. Give us five whole stars. They don't cost you anything. And you can find out more information on our website at htwpodcast.com. And you can follow us on social at Earth and Star, which is at Earth and Star Co. Thanks so much.